Hi, everyone. I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I am beyond excited to have a soul sister from the from the very beginning, from the word go. She is my soul sister. She is the woman who stood for transformation in my life. She has stood for transformation in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people on this planet. She is incredible. She is full of love. She is full of grace. And I am honored to have her on the show today, Jenna Phillips Ballard. Thank you, my sister, for joining. How are you today? How am I? I am so excited to celebrate the fact that I have an infinite amount of all things, including time. Yes, you do. (laughs) I'm I'm always practicing stretching (laughs) and like, you know, expanding my plate. And so I'm just so happy to be here and connect with you. And any excuse I have to talk to you is awesome. Oh, thank you. Okay. So I know your story, but Many may not know your story, and your story is powerful. So let's, let's start from where you grew up and what happened in your high school years that was so transformational. Well, what I want to – gosh, I have – there's so, so many things. So what I want to say about where I grew up, I grew up in a little tiny town called Bear Valley, and then I moved to Arnold, like little town. I mean, just – it's like in the middle of nowhere, and very few people know about this little town, but – um, that's where I, I originate from. And, um, and so that was a beautiful time for me to experience life in, in that way, because I, uh, I got to, I got to really get connected to what it means to be a part of like a, like a grassroots kind of community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also managed some powerful things in my life where the, the story that I made up was that my dad had wished that I had been, a boy that I wish that he, he would wish that he'd have like a firstborn son. And so I made up this story and I tried to do all the things that he, I thought that he wanted me to do, like play sports, even though I didn't want to play sports. I wanted to wear pink and sing and dance and play with Barbies and be super <laughs> girly, like unicorns. Hello. This is like, this is who I really am. Love it. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so in, in that journey, um, what was really powerful for me is that I, I started to take on this kind of energy that wasn't my own. And also around this time, I was uh, in the first grade and a little boy, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I've told you this story, maybe, maybe not, but um, there was a, a kid in my class who I sat next to in the very, very back row and we were doing a writing assignment and then all of a sudden I feel his hand going underneath my skirt, underneath my underwear and mm. totally taking it upon himself to explore my situation and mm. my girl parts. And um, that moment was so, it was such a, it was such a, a, a lightning bolt into my soul because it shifted my whole perspective on, um, on life. It like, it, it, this moment was confusing and frustrating for me. I didn't want to get him, him in trouble, even though I know, I knew what he was doing was wrong because it felt wrong. It felt like he was invading me and I'd never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this whole, this whole experience was powerful for me because it was like this portal opened into like a whole different perspective of the world. And, you know, I remember this moment as a defining moment for me because in that moment I decided that, um, you know, I was, I was receiving this, this interesting attention from this, from this boy and I didn't feel like I was getting enough attention from my dad. So it was like this whole thing about, um, 
and my husband's bring, can I, I'm just going to pull this into, can bring this over here. My husband has just arrived. He's walked into my recording. Yes. I'm, I'm on Lucas' yes. podcast. <laughs> Say hi. Say hi to Lucas. Lucas! Brad, what, what's happening? I can't hear you, but she's got the headphones in. But. Well, why don't you get your, you, he can't see you, babe. That's all he can see. Well, that's fine. I can't hear him, but he can look at my pockets. Yo. So, what you guys can see, for those who listen to the audio, is this ugly sweater, oh, ugly Christmas sweater with a unicorn on it that my husband just got for me because we're going to an ugly Christmas sweater party on, on nice. Saturday. So anyway. <laughs> we're, and I won't take it personally that you chose Jenna in front of me. No, <laughs> brother. Whatever. <laughs> oh. Brad, babe, we were just talking about how amazing your one-liners are. Thank yes, you for that. Yes. Brad's the funniest human alive. Yes, um, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> like we're, we're like the we're like the awkward married couple right now. I love it. Um, love, it. love you, babe. Okay, so where was I? Yeah, so that moment was, I made up the story that I wasn't getting the attention I wanted from my dad, but I got this really weird um, sexual energy from from this boy. So for a long a long time of my life, I used to kind of validate my worth when it came to receiving unwarranted, like unwanted sexual energy, like flirtation, like stuff like that. So, so there was also a time in my life where I was, I was like cheating on all my boyfriends because that's how I felt worthy. So I really, I, I believed this, this, this false sense of worthiness. It was like, I was outsourcing my worthiness rather than knowing that I'm worthy, knowing that I'm enough and also worthy enough to put my foot down and not receive energy that, that was unwarranted. So I, it was a really challenging time for me in my life. I mean, in high school, I, it was, it was not, it was not a good time for me. It was challenging. And I, and I made it the story that I don't have any friends. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me around. I was teased. I was bullied. Like it, it was, it was really rough. Mm. Um, and in my senior year, I was chronically depressed. I was smoking weed every day. I was self-medicating. I was taking pain meds and drinking alcohol. I was smoking cigarettes every day. I was going to school stoned. I was leaving school during the breaks and smoking weed and going back to school and not applying myself and not, and skipping school and ditching. And, and I was not, I was not focusing on being the best version of me. And I didn't really even know that that was even a thing. Like I didn't know about personal development. I didn't know about leadership or transformation. Um, and I definitely didn't know about law of attraction at that time either. So I, I used to lay in bed at night and I would obsess about how cool it would be if I could, um, if I could witness my own funeral. And that's a very, very dark and grim thought process, but that's where I was for a very long time. I wished I could see my own funeral because I believed that I didn't have friends. Nobody cared about me. And I needed to have some kind of validation. Like I wanted to be right about that. Mm. And then I decided that I wasn't actually wanting to die, but how amazing would it be if I could witness an experience like of me being in some kind of an accident that was serious enough for me to be in the ICU. I'd go to the ICU and, um, and then I could see who would show up to my hospital room. So that in and of itself was uh, also a really dark time for me, but I focused on it so much and I thought about it. And I crafted it in my brain. And then a few months later, my parents moved into another house and there was a big barn on the property. And I decided I wanted to have the party of the year, the, the after winter ball party. And so I had a bunch of my friends over. We were decorating for the party. It was the next day. And we were in the barn, we were decorating and, and hanging sheets on the ceiling. And I was walking backwards and I was in the hayloft on the second floor. And I was walking backwards and I had the sheet straight up above my head and then black. I don't remember anything after that. I basically fell through the opening in the floor, um, dropped 14 feet, landed on my head on the concrete. Um, I was instantly unconscious. 
and in a coma and they called the ambulance, obviously rushed me to the hospital. I was in a coma. Doctors are saying to my parents, we don't think, and I was actually doing a post about this before we jumped on about possibilities. And like, let's talk about, let's, mm-hmm. let's not accept all prognoses that we receive from doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that the prognosis was, we don't think Jenna will wake up from her coma anytime soon when, and if she does, she will likely have permanent brain damage and she will never be the same. Hmm. And they were only right about one thing, brother, because I woke up the next freaking day from my coma. I did have brain damage, but it wasn't permanent. Um, I had no short-term memory, but I woke up a happy person. I woke up. It was like my soul stepped out and a new soul stepped in. It was like, Hmm. I, I, I just had this totally different perspective on life. And, and I, and I was in the hospital in the ICU people, so many people were showing up. They had to turn people away. I kept forgetting why people were showing up because I had no short-term memory. I forgot why I was in the hospital. Wow. And, um, and when I went home from the hospital, my entire room was covered in, in banners, like big butcher paper. People, hundreds of people from school had signed it. Jenna, we miss you. We love you. Get better. Get well soon. Blah, blah, blah. The whole thing. I missed three weeks of school. And when I went back to the school, um, on the marquee and the big, huge sign out in front of the school, it said, welcome back, Jenna Phillips. So I felt this this sense of acknowledgement and um, relevance and importance that people cared about me. As a matter of fact, they actually did love me and did care about me. And so I felt very supported in this whole time. Um, and, you know, I, and I also do remember this, I don't remember a lot for about a year or so after the accident, but, um, but I hustled. Like I, I was committed to finishing my journey with high school. I only had one semester left. But I do remember this one conversation that the doctor was having with my mom. He wasn't even looking at me. He wasn't even acknowledging me because he was thinking, doesn't matter what she's thinking. She's probably not thinking much. So he's saying to my mom, you know, we really think it's going to be quite challenging for Jenna to graduate on time. I mean, she only has a semester left and it's going to be too stressful and too much for her to, you know, her cognitive skills and blah, 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 this whole thing. So we don't even think she should even try to go back and finish high school on time. And I'm thinking like, you don't know me. And I'm like, what the F? Like, watch me do it. I am going to graduate on time. And that's when I learned the power of I am when I was 17 years old, because I decided in that moment that yes, I am going to graduate on time. Watch me do it. Hmm. So I went back to school after missing three weeks and I didn't miss a single day the rest of the year. And I graduated on time with the highest GPA that I'd ever had because it was the first time I ever really applied myself. So that's part of my story. I've got so many, but there you go. That's powerful. Do you, um, That the the story about a new soul. That's a powerful. Um, I mean, that's powerful. That's a powerful concept. You woke up different. W- what do you think happened there? Well, I'm just going to give you some context. So my parents got divorced a year or so before, like before the accident, which also contributed to my depression and a lot of the the challenging times I was having in high school. Mm. Um, my mom had. A new, a new boyfriend, fiance, and then like this whole thing. And then we, we went, so the house we moved into was a house that we lived with my, my now stepdad. And they just celebrated their 19th wedding anniversary a couple wow. days ago. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, so it was, we were in this new household, like this new house, like this new home. And, and I was your typical cliche, um, grumpy, angst teenager who had like so much attitude and thought she knew everything. And I just, I was I was a, I was a punk. I was a little brat. Like I was just so angry at my mom and frustrated about life and 
just no patience and just a total, I was, my mom did, she didn't actually didn't even like me. My mom loved me, but she, she didn't like <laughs> no, me very no, much. That's understandable. And, yeah, yeah. and so I gave her a really hard time and I just, it was, mm. it was really challenging for me because my mom was the one who decided to leave my father. And even though it was for the best, it was still this like this breaking up of this, uh, you know, this fantasy that my parents would be married until, you know, for 50 plus years and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like who, who doesn't want that? Right. So, yeah. so I, I, I woke up and, and I was also not very loving with my, with my stepdad because he was, he, he was like replacing my father and that was, he was, he was not my dad. Like that was my whole stance mm. and his name is Frank. And so suppose, I don't remember this, but I, I woke up from my coma and I see my stepdad, he's sitting next to the bed and I reach over and I grab his hand and I'm like, hi Frankie. And they're like, who are you? And what have you done with Jenna? <laughs> like wow. they just, and so I just, I woke up literally a different person and, and I, there's, I can't really explain it except I believe that the person I was being prior to my accident was taking me down a path that my higher self was not in alignment with and mm. the choices I was making and the thoughts I was having and entertaining were not, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. So it's almost like this, this opening was created because I, I do have this different understanding of the universe. Like I have a different understanding of my capacity to manifest. I have a different understanding of um, my relationship with the universe. And I was raised Christian and I now have a very different relationship with God. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not religious. I'm, I'm spiritual. I mean, I don't even know what that means really, but like yeah. I have my own invented, my own specific relationship with God because of that whole experience and my relationship with source, my relationship with the universe, like that whole thing, it, it completely shifted and like redirected my ship in a, in a way that was um, really supportive of everything that, that I wanted to generate and create in this lifetime. Because I knew, I always knew like once upon a time before all this happened, I was like, I feel like I should write a book someday. But oh, that's a lot of work. I feel like I should, you know, do something really great with my life and be be important in some capacity. But I didn't even know what that really meant. I didn't have any clarity around that. So after that whole thing, oh, another thing. When I was in the hospital, they discovered that I was type one diabetic. I had no idea that I had it. That's right. So a lot of my uh, that and and a lot of my my high blood sugar symptoms actually are very similar to feeling depressed. So when I have high blood sugar now, if I feel lethargic or I feel tired or I feel low energy. Brad's like, what's your blood sugar? I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll check it. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so it's all good. It's like, I now see in hindsight that like, wow, because I was falling asleep in class, it was really tough for me to get out of bed in the morning, yeah. but it was because I had elevated blood sugar levels and I didn't, I didn't have anything to compare that with. So how was I supposed to know? And um, they weren't, doctors weren't looking for that. I was going to see a therapist because I was self-diagnosed as depressed and yeah. taking antidepressants and self-medicating and the whole thing. So, um, you know, that, that whole experience was talk about divine intervention. Talk about like the universe or God saying, yeah. this is what you're creating right now is actually going to cause destruction in the world because it's, it's a direct response to how destructive you're being with yourself. And everything yeah. that we do to ourselves is also the way that we treat the, treat the world, like treat the planet. I see people yeah. all the time being, um, you know, like they throw garbage on the, on the ground. And I'm like, that's how you also probably treat your body. Yeah. You know, people who are not conscious and not loving with themselves, they can't be that with, with anything outside of them. That's right. I, I've learned from my time with you and going through ALA and we'll talk about ALA. Um, a little bit later in the podcast, but I've learned that hurt people hurt people and healthy mm -hmm. people heal people. A hurt yep. person can do nothing but hurt because yep. 
that's who they be. And that's the extension of them is hurting others. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting hearing that story. And I, I, without making anything sound cliche or trite, you actually fell and hit a literal rock bottom Mm-hmm. And hitting that literal rock bottom truly saved your life because yep. who who can say what would happen with type one diabetes if you if they didn't know? Mm-hmm. And you want to be here today and your higher self and and the impact and it's really just a beautiful story. I think most of us, most of humanity, braces against the fall. They we spend our whole lives trying not to fall, and it's most likely the fall that breaks open the fullness of who we can be in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's the fear of, I don't want to hurt. And really we don't want to hurt, but the only way to, like I've learned from you, the only way out is through. So true. And, and, and I, and I really implore everybody who's listening and or watching um, to consider all of the things when it feels like life is falling apart or our, our, you know, perfectly constructed situation or scenario or reality falls apart. It's, it's really like what you said, it's like this, this, this crack, it's like this opening. And so because I, I, you know, I also joke with people when the universe is giving you like a little tap on the shoulder, like, hello, this is not working for you. So if you're in a relationship with someone who is abusive, it's like, it's like tap, 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 tap. Oh, okay. That's not working. I'm going to whisper. Okay. And now I'm going to shout. Now I'm going to scream. Okay. Got it. Two by four in the forehead. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and it really escalated to that point where I was allowing energy in my space. I was allowing relationships in my life that were not reflective of who I authentically am. And, you know, like we just, when we are honoring who we authentically are, we're honoring our self-worth. We're honoring our, like the grace that we've been given in this lifetime. Um, That's when we can generate and create our most beautiful life. And when we are sitting back and holding back and playing small and shrinking to make others more comfortable or whatever limitation you're allowing in your life, um, it's not possible to experience the full extension of life. It just isn't. Mm. So that, that whole experience really was, it, it provided an opportunity for me to pony up and, and like really remember that I am worthy and so that I can then teach women and, and men, like I can teach others how, how to really own their worth and ultimately create their design life. So you've gone from that experience and you, what, what was it? I feel like you, would you agree you have like three, three books of, you have like free fall or to fall and then post fall and then you have the chapter or book that you're in now let's talk about the second chapter or second book that you went in you became a personal trainer in Los Angeles yeah well because of my diagnosis of type 1 diabetes I I got to make fitness my life because yeah. they're like you need, you need to work out regularly and so I I found that I felt so much better when I was working out and and eating well and I'm like this is actually pretty cool. And I got really excited about teaching other people how to do that. And I really became passionate about inspiring others and and being the source of transformation. Um, So through that, I, I, you know, I I moved to Los Angeles and I, and I really got really excited about living this life and and being the source of transformation. And um, I was, I found myself, and and this is also really important to, to note, like, I don't want you guys to think that because I, I woke up from my coma, I was like, I'm worthy. And then I kept being worthy every single day after that. It's really been this, this, this constant evolution because old ways were starting to creep in and like old belief systems started to show up. And, 
And I, and that brings me, you know, forward, like one of the most pivotal times in my life, which we'll talk about in a second, really brought me to where I am today. However, Hmm. um, I'm in this relationship. I, I moved to LA and then I moved to Spain for seven months. And when I moved to Spain, I was like, okay, got it. Like I get to be, I'm super clear that I originally thought I was going to model and act and like do all that stuff when I moved to LA. Then when I moved to Spain, that's when I decided I want to be in fitness and that mm. I get to make that my life. And I want to be in contribution and focus out and not have like a self-serving career. Um, at least that's what it was for me. For those of you who are like actors and models and all that stuff, it's, I'm not saying that you're in a self-serving career. That was just my come from at the time. Mm-hmm. So I moved back from Spain. I'm like, ah, I want to make a difference for as many people as possible. And I want to focus out. And I got into the fitness career um, and, I, and I was certified as a spinning instructor and I got certified as a Pilates Plus instructor. And I was certified for one month. And I was in this relationship at the time where I, I was with a guy who was super jealous and controlling and he, he wanted to create uh, a lot of control in my life and who I was being and he didn't want me to talk to certain people. So I knew that that's not the relationship that I wanted to be in. And I wasn't finding joy. I wasn't feeling like I could fully be myself. So I kept asking the universe for an exit. I'm like, universe, I need an exit. I don't get to be in this relationship anymore. And at the time, I didn't have the financial funds to move out on my own. So I felt very stuck. So I kept thinking, I'm like, I need an exit. I need an exit. I'm ready for an exit. Universe, give me an exit. So after a month of being a certified Pilates Plus instructor, my boss at the studio said to me, hey, do you want to go on location and train Ben Stiller for a movie? (laughs) For four months? And I'm like, actually, that's exactly what I would love to do. And then in creeps my my fear gremlins are like, you're not qualified. You've only been a trainer for a month. You don't know what you're going to do. And like, you're going to just, you're not going to get them in grip. Anyway, so I had that for about five seconds. I'm like, ah, I have a sink or swim. I'm just going to make it happen. And I jumped Mm. all the way in. And, um, of course the boyfriend at the time was not supportive. He didn't want me to take the job because that means that it was something that was happening to the relationship and so something that was happening for me. So mm. it was the perfect intervention. And I was making at the age of 23, $1,700 a week wow. for four months. Like it was insane. I, I went from living in this tiny little shoebox apartment in Los Angeles to staying in like penthouse hotels like it just it was insane like it, it was like a complete 180 and and I after I after that job I came back and I trained Jeremy Piven from Blink or Jeremy Piven I trained um, Mark Hoppus from Blink 182 the entire Marciano family princesses from Saudi Arabia like it was just crazy Katy Perry like it just kept happening I kept manifesting all these amazing people and then I came up to this point in my life where I was like, I really, really want to experience, you know, how I can transform people in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wanted this deeper, this deeper sense of purpose. And I manifested the opportunity to go through a series of personal development workshops. This is seven years ago. Um, and, and so that, and I'm like, this is actually my purpose. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I want to be doing. I want to be a trainer of this work. I want to stand for people to be their best selves and transform their entire lives from the inside out. Yeah. And so that was amazing. That was the beginning of like this, you know, this third phase of my life that we're talking about. So <clears throat> you, uh, you know, what's beautiful, I, there's, you've seen the pinnacle of what the material world can achieve. Mm-hmm. And you said, not, not enough, not, it's not the fullness of, of our humanity. It's not the fullness of where we can go. And so you, you find this training, this personal development work, you fall in love with it. And now you and Brad, you, you, you meet your, I'll fill in a little bit. You meet your husband and, and mm-hmm. you meet your, the man of your dreams. And now you open a personal development, emotional intelligence training center in San Diego. 
and let's talk about that journey because yeah. what a journey it's been. It has been a journey. And you know, when I graduated from these trainings um, almost seven years ago, uh, I, in, in that process, like in like the final segment of the journey, and you know what I'm talking about, like this, mm -hmm. like the last training weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so clear about the kind of person I get to be in relationship with. Cause I was mm. dabbling on match.com and meeting, kissing a lot of frogs and mm. not me the guy. I'm like, I don't understand. Where's my person. And I kept being in this, this like hamster wheel of, um, just wanting love so badly and wanting mm. attention from, from a, a love, a love partner that I was honestly allowing myself to receive table scraps. And, mm. and so finally at, at this final training weekend of the process that, you know, um, that's when I have my biggest breakthrough. I'm like, I'm super clear. I get to be loved by a man who's going to cherish me and respect me and adore me. And then oh, a month later, after I graduated, I went through another process called grace, this amazing workshop that has completely transformed my life. I've been in it 10 times cause they're all, they're all different. Wow. So the first time I went through, I was talking to uh, the facilitator and I was, her name's Krista and she's oh, love her. Krista, I love you. Shout out. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I raise my hand. I go, I don't understand. I'm successful. I'm smart. And for those of you listening and not watching, I'm punching my hands right now. I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Where is my guy? I, I know that I'm amazing catch. Like, seriously, like I ask myself every day, like, where is my guy? And she looks at me and she goes, stop doing this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, because my ways of being were so masculine. Wow. I was wow. being so masculine in every magical way. Like, yes, wow. my, my urgency and my diligence and my commitment and my rigor and all of that created massive success for me financially and in the business world. And I was not creating space for my man to find me because I was mm. always on the hunt. I was always in pursuit. I was always looking for my person and, and I wasn't allowing that opportunity for a man to like step up and fill space. Cause I literally Lucas, like we'd go on a date. I would open my door. I would open my car door. I would pull out my chair. I would attempt to pay for not just my dinner, but both of our dinner. Oh, <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> like I was like, I don't need a man. I got this. And it was just, it was ridiculous. So oh. ladies listening, it doesn't work. Um, I, and, and in this workshop in grace, I was like clear, clear as a bell that I am worthy of being found by an incredible man who's going to love, cherish, honor, and respect me. And I don't get to look anymore. So literally three days later, Brad sends me a message on match.com mm. and he was so funny and amazing. And we began this, this two month long journey of texting back and forth. And then we went on our first date. And then on our second date, we knew that we were going to get married. It was like super clear. Yeah. And um, I think it was a week later that I went on a vacation with a girlfriend of mine. We, were, we had this cruise planned for six months. And so I was newly dating this guy. And then I go on this cruise and my girlfriend's like, what the hell? I'm like, he's amazing. You're going to love him. Just trust the process. So we go on this cruise. And while I was on the cruise, I'm going to put this in a nutshell because it's kind of a long story. But um, I'm going to leave out all the details. I'm just going to say that I was raped on, on vacation. Mm. Um, I was passed out. I, I had a little too much to drink and I passed out in my room and a guy that, that she was, my friend was hooking up with on the cruise. She, he, she brought him back into our room and she fell asleep. And when she fell asleep, he came over to me and, um, I woke up to that happening. So, um, and, and I didn't tell Brad about this. Like I just started dating him. We just met, but it turned my world inside out and upside down. And I went into this whole thing of binge eating and um, trying to add layers to my body to make it unattractive so that it wouldn't happen again. I had like, I made my body wrong. I made myself wrong. I told myself it was my fault, like all this stuff. Mm. And a year later we were in another relationships workshop together and it all came out of the surface. It came up to the surface, came out and, 
and he was just so supportive and loving. And I made up the story that he was not going to support me. He would, he'd be angry at me that it was my fault and like all these things. Um, so really in that whole process, like in that healing process, I decided that I get to be a voice for the voiceless because there are so many people, so many women who experience this on a day-to-day -day basis who don't feel like they can come forth. And it's not just women, it's also men, little yeah, boys, little that's girls. Right. That's right. And, and so I realized like I get to have this be a part of my story. And I spoke about this on stage publicly. Like the first time I ever mentioned it public was on stage. And it was so powerful because also in that moment, I realized that I get to forgive my rapist because if I forgive the rapist, that means I have compassion for whatever happened to him in his life that even gave him the concept to do that to somebody else. And I get to be the source of ending that cycle by choosing forgiveness, by choosing humility, by having this level of compassion for humanity, because this is something that happens every single second of every single day, as you know, Lucas. Yes. And so yes. that's really my, my commitment now. Like fast forward is the, you know, the work that Brad and I are now doing together. Um, you know, this work has been our life, me for the last seven years, for Brad the last six years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just, we are committed to transforming this planet and healing families from the inside out and healing relationships and healing, um, you know, the limiting beliefs and the fears and, and all the stuff, like all the stories that we tell about ourselves are not forwarding. Right. So we've, we, we opened up Ascension Leadership Academy. Um, it'll be three years in May. And, uh, and it's just been a beautiful journey because we've created this sensational community that no other community like this exists. And we have, it's a, it's a big, huge extended family. We just, we love our tribe so much. And that's how I get to, how I got to know you and yeah. like amazing. It's just incredible. Incredible. It, I affirm everything you said. It is, it's incredible. One thing I learned from going through the training is something that I speak about now is love gives truth permission to come forth, resulting in our personal freedom. Mm, mm, so it's, good. It's love. If we don't feel unconditionally loved, we're never going to speak the truth. You didn't, right. you felt judged. You judged yourself or you built up the story of judgment. So you never were going to bring forth the truth. Then you find that he actually, Brad actually unconditionally loves you. Mm -hmm. And that allows the truth to come out. And then look what happens in and when we allow fear and judgment and shame and guilt and and all the all the derivatives of fear to rule our lives, we are shackled in bondage and we aren't free. And so I have learned through Ascension Leadership Academy, through ALA, through being with you and spending time with Brad and, and going through the trainings that it's love. Love gives truth permission to come forth and results in a personal freedom. When we tell the truth of like everything that's when we can breathe. That's when we mm -hmm. can be us. And it's, it's just incredible to hear your story. And I did actually, thanks for sharing. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize the timeline of that. And um, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And it makes me love Brad even more. He's such a good man. And he's just, he's incredible. And he's he, incredible. Uh, he really is, you know, we've just been and our relationship has also not been perfect. I mean, people think we have this perfect relationship and, and we have ups and downs. Like we've had some really challenging times. We've reinvented our relationship many times. We've recommitted to each other many times. Mm -hmm. um, and while our relationship isn't perfect, it's like what people think of this whole like Disney, Disneyland relationship that, you know, we, we as, as we're growing up, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of programmed into thinking that like those kinds of relationships do exist. And, and, it kind of like it kind of puts us in a space of 
um, feeling like it's never enough, right? Like we have like these, we have these examples and we have these, um, these, these dreams of being in relationship, like the stuff that we see in the movies. And I think that there are parts of relationships that can be like that and feel like that. But you know, I, Brad and I are perfect for each other. And, and this, this partnership is per, we are perfect together. Um, but we have our ups and our downs and we have, you know, we ha- we don't see eye to eye on everything and we see eye to eye on, on our morals that like we have, we have shared values and that's the most important thing in a relationship is to have that. Um, but yeah, what I would say is that, that whole experience, like to feel so supported by him and loved and, um, like he asked me, he's like, what happened? Like he, hmm. he asked me what happened and he was open to holding space for me because it was, you know, the process that he witnessed in the, in the relationships course was I brought it all back from the very beginning. Like the first time I was, when I was molested, when I was seven and then talked about like all these times where I didn't acknowledge my body, where I allowed myself to give it away to people just so that I could feel loved and not have respect for myself and not have dignity for myself. And like, it all came up in front of him. Like the trainer was working with me. I was in a freaking pile of wetness and like wow like i was i was like ugly crying the, the on the snot floor. river the snot no, it river was, oh god i was like a freaking wet blanket on the floor and the trainer's like down the floor which is like you came here to do the work i'm like i know and then you know it was like crazy and just all came up and out in front of him and he didn't know about mm. any of that stuff so wow. um you know that's why i'm so grateful for for the work that we do because we we provide such a safe space for people to yeah. let all their stuff come up and out and, um, and I just want to say like, it's, al- it's also not for everybody. The work that we provide and, and the opportunity that we offer for people is not for everyone. It's for people who are seriously ready to do work and roll up their sleeves. And, and they're also clear that they are responsible for their experience. Yeah. So that's been the biggest thing for us is, um, continuously standing for people to be in ownership of their life and their reality and everything that they, they cause and create. Hmm. I love it. I love you. <laughs> I love you back. I love you so much. And I, I just want to just acknowledge you, Lucas, because the work that you're doing and, and, and the voice that you are mm. for people in, in this world, um, for children mm. and for grown adults who have experienced a lot of the things that you and I have experienced, mm. um, you know, you give, you give people permission to forgive. And, and as you and I both know, forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook and it doesn't make okay what they did. It just, it simply sets us free. The only way that we can ever be free is if we forgive the people who did whatever to us. And, and like, it's really up to us, like how we reframe the situation and how we choose to look at what happened and decide that it happened for us for whatever reason. Um, you know, my, my rape, I, the way that I choose to look at that is that supported me in learning what it actually means to be compassionate, what it really, really means to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that experience, I'm able to support people and hold them in their process when they're working through all their stuff and they've got trauma and they're, and, and they, the stories that I've heard, Lucas, and I know that you also know this, yeah. I, nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, I've heard the worst of the worst of the worst that like, you, they can't even make movies up about this stuff. I mean, right. it's, just, it's insane. So, you know, I, I just really want everybody who's listening and or watching to know that no matter what has happened in your life, how you choose to hold it and how you choose to frame it and how you choose to talk about the story is 100% up to you. So I've, you know, I've said many times that I believe that we're responsible for everything. And that can be a very, 
actually did a post about this on Facebook and I had some people, some other thought leaders like attack me in this post. They're like, so what you're saying is like, you know, the, you know, the, the child is three years old and they get kidnapped and murdered. Like it's their fault. And so I, they really were splitting hairs on that post. And really what I meant about that is not only are we responsible for, we, we do attract things into our life. And I believe that on a higher level, our soul, our spirit attracts things and calls things into our experience mm. because it's our soul contract. I believe that we have a contract with, with God. We have a contract with the universe and, and everything that we do experience in each lifetime. I do believe in reincarnation. I believe that we have many lifetimes. Mm. Um, I believe that we are here because we've chosen the life that we are in right now. And I also want to say, to take it a deeper cut, is beyond the, the attracting things into our life, how we're actually really responsible is what we choose to do with each experience. Because while I may not be responsible for the car accident that happens in front of me, like I didn't, I'm responsible for how I'm, I can do something about it. Yeah. And while I didn't cause the war that's happening right now in wherever, because there's so many that are going on right now, I actually, how I'm responsible for it, as long as it's happening, I can always do something about it. I can be a, you know, I can influence people. I can speak about it. I can actually tangibly do something about it. So mm. as long as anything is happening in the world, we're all responsible. Mm. I love it. You, um, I've learned so much from you and there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that <clears throat> I, I've heard it said many times it's uh, in Romans, it says, and we know all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now I read the Bible so many times, like recite. Is that Romans 8, 28? It, Romans 8, 28. Okay. Sister. Stop. Hold on for a second. Come on. Come no. on. Drop first it like a five. <laughs> I love you. First of all, first of all, I have you seen the show manifest? No. Okay. You need to see the show <laughs> manifest. Just because of Romans eight twenty eight. Okay, done. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything else about the show. It's okay. bananas. I'm all I'm I binge watched the entire thing. I'm obsessed. Okay, so you must watch it. I think you can watch it on Netflix, Hulu. I think you watch it on Hulu. Okay, okay. Just because of the Bible verse, you must see it. Okay, so this I love this, and maybe this is I have I am excited to watch that. I struggle with that, as you know, like you know, with things that we've gone through and think, you know, what does that mean? And and mm -hmm. I've tried to clarify like well and we know so that maybe that's the the part of the verse that's missing like maybe we just don't know and maybe we forget because people always like to quote it and say all things work together for good but it starts with and we know it's like well what do we know i know that i'm white i know that i'm a male i know right now i'm sitting in a chair talking to you i mean these are things i know and i don't worry about what i know because i know them mm -hmm. but all things work together for good yep that i always struggle with until I went through the program. And until recently, I, I wrote this post. I said, all things work together for good when we know all things work together for good. Oh, God, God is love. Preach. God is love. So we know all things work together for good to them who love, love. Mm -hmm. And love loves one thing, love. Love loves love. And so when we stand in the place of love, we can know all things work together for good because all things work together for good. So true, brother. So true. Oh, Powerful. Man. <laughs> 
Thank you. I love you. Where I love you. let's um I will post in the show notes where people can find you, the URLs, but share please. Where can people find you, follow you, connect with you and sign up for the program? Well, what's amazing is I am very easily stockable because I'm the only Jenna Phillips Ballard <laughs> in the entire universe. So if you go to the interweb and the Google machine and you enter in Jenna Phillips Ballard, I, you can find me super, super easily. Um, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. I invite you to follow me on Instagram because my stories are like behind the scenes of my life and I'm a total goofball and I make really funny Instagram stories. Yes, you do. So I invite you to follow me over there. And I'm also getting ready to launch a high-level coaching program for women in the middle of January. Um, and so I invite you all to look that up. So it's called I am her now. And if you want any more information about it, you can actually just, just go on, just send me a message on Facebook, send me a message on, on Instagram. And it really is for women who are truly ready to access the next level of their life and not have anything stand in their way. So that's my, my biggest project right now. And I'm so excited about it. My, I got a book coming out. I got a live event coming up in the end of May. So like all the things are happening all in perfect divine timing. So it's just a really exciting time to be alive. Beautiful. You are beautiful from inside out. Inside out. I love you too. Tell Brad. He'll be on. The, I'll get him <laughs> on the show soon. Tell him that you're saving the best for last. I, that's right. That's right. <laughs> preparing. I'm preparing. Totally. <laughs> I Everything. Love you. Thank you for being on. I love you so much, brother. Have an amazing day. You too. Love you. Bye.